0: Our gospel lesson for today, the second Sunday of Advent, comes from Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near." This is the vo- the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, "The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight." Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, And he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. One of the lines that Jay read in the first lesson says, a little child shall lead them. And I kind of think I've got the Holy Spirit doing one of those things in the back of my head right now that it does happen. This morning in confirmation class, um, we'd kind of wrapped up the lesson early, and and the kids and I were just sort of discussing some stuff, and and they asked some questions that holy smokestack um, let us down a really wonderful conversation about the 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 truth, the the gospel, the all the stuff that we talk about, and. I think it kind of sort of ties in to, to Advent and where we're at. So with your permission, I'm going to punt what I originally was planning on worship, uh, on preaching about today and just kind of talk about what the kids and I talked about. Everybody okay with that? Okay, if I get really off topic, just be like, dude, shut it down. So today we were talking about the divided kingdom of, of Israel. Now, the, The history that lies behind it, about a 1,000 years before Jesus was around, the nation of Israel or the culture of Israel coalesced into a kingdom. And there were three kings of the United Kingdom of Israel. There was first Saul, and then there was David, and then there was Solomon. And those three kings, their period lasted for about 120 years, all told, between the three of them. And then things got a little wonky as they're prone to do. And the nation was divided into two different nations. We had the the southern kingdom of Judah, which is where Jerusalem is, and that was still ruled by the descendants of King David and King Solomon. And then we had the northern kingdom of Israel, or sometimes called Samaria, and that was led by a completely different group of people. And as the kids and I were talking, we, we talked about the history of all of these different kings that kind of were going back and forth for the, over the course of like a thousand years in these two different kingdoms. And we would hear about how, how some of the kings were, were really good, and they, those kings followed God, and they, they helped the people to follow God, and, and were faithful, and some really weren't. Some were, would, would kind of adhere or, or have some cultural things with some of the neighboring people, and they would worship other gods, and they would lead the people astray, and things would just get kind of ugly, and things would get bad. And then God would pull favor away from that king or from those people, and things would go a little rough. And it just kind of kept going round and round and round and round in this crazy cycle. And we talked about one king in particular who's a really good example. And this particular king, his name was Manessa. And I couldn't even tell you where in that thousand years he falls, but but he was a king and he became what did we say? He was 12 when he became king. So he's about the age of our confirmation students. He became king at 12. Hmm, real good. And he reigned for 55 years, which is a really long time. And as the kids and I were talking, I asked them the question, well, if he reigned for that long, what do you think? Was he one that really followed God so God blessed his reign? And they're like, yeah, we think so. And, I, and then we read it. And, hope, oh, no, <laughs> he didn't. This guy was bad. He did everything wrong, didn't he? And after a while, God removed God's favor. And then another, I think it was the Babylonians, came in, and they hauled this king off into exile And God had removed favor, and so now everything's bad. My kingdom has been taken away from me, and I'm in prison off in some foreign land. And so, Peyton, what does he do? He prays, oh, yeah, God, remember me. I think I just remembered you. And he prays, God, I have messed up. Forgive me. And God does. And God restores Manasseh back into his kingdom. and, and then he changes everything up, and for a really long period, he follows God. He's faithful to God, and as the kids and I were talking about it, he's one example of the whole cycle of we walk away from God, things go badly, we remember God, we ask for forgiveness, and God's love is there, God's grace is there. Now, another aspect we talked about of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom was they all thought that they were doing things right. Regardless of where we fell in history, they all thought, we're doing things right. We've got God on our side. Everybody else is doing it wrong. Here's the one point where I can connect in with John the Baptist when he calls out the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were people who thought, we're doing it right. But do any of us do it right? No, we don't. We are all messed up, broken, flawed people. And God loves us anyway. We ask that question in our conversation why? What does that say about God? Because humanity is very good. What's the Hebrew? Say it loud, you know it, I taught it to you. It's Tov. God calls us very good. But, we are jerks. I might have had slightly stronger language earlier, didn't I? We are messed up, flawed, broken, selfish people. That is human nature. And that's not me casting, I guess that is me casting shade, because we all deserve it. We are all broken people. But God loves us. And sometimes I wonder why. Because I know the thoughts in my head, I know the way that I think about other people at times and the way I treat other people at times. And I turn on the news and I see how it's going on in this broken, flawed world. And I think to myself, God, maybe you should wipe us all off the planet and start over. We talked about God starting over with dogs because dogs are perfect. <laughs> gospel that we profess, the gospel that I get up here and talk about week in and week out, maybe I sound like a broken record, I probably do, but the gospel says that God looks at this world, this broken, flawed, and yet good world that includes us, and God says, I love that so much, I'm going to do something about it. They can't do it themselves. They can't fix it themselves. They can't earn their way into salvation or whatever we want to call it. Because that selfish nature is always going to win. Every single time it's going to win. So God decided to do something about it. Now, I wish I could explain, that I could even understand how in the death and resurrection of Jesus somehow God was overcoming that brokenness. I wish I could give you a scientific explanation of how that works. I can't. We got to take it on faith, people. We just got to believe it. That's what the gospel calls us to do, to recognize the truth about ourselves, that every single one of us is a broken and flawed person and that our own broken, selfish nature will win out and we will fall short of that which God desires for us. Now, God desires for us a life of harmony in our relationship with God and a life of harmony in relationship with one another. Turn on the news. How's that working, folks? Not real spectacular. (sighs) But then God said, they can't do it, so I will. And in ways that I do not understand, God became human. God became a helpless baby, entered into this world as one of us lived, died, somehow came back again, and in doing that, overcame the power of brokenness and sin that's a part of every one of us. That is the gospel. That is the entire Bible in 15 seconds. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we need to hear it again and again and again and again basically every single day because every single day we screw up but ultimately what i'm really trying to get at and and i think the most important aspect of all of this what does that say about god that we have a god that can look at the junk that we do to ourselves and that we do to each other and that we do to this planet And God says, I love them anyway. And nothing's gonna stop me being with them, not brokenness, not sin, not even death. In a few more weeks, what, let's see, two, two more weeks, we're gonna celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, for us, it's past tense, for us, it's already happened. Jesus was born, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus has promised to one day come back again. And at that point, somewhere out there in the unknown future, all of this junk will be over. I don't know what it's going to look like, but the promise is that this will be no more, and whatever's out there is going to be better. I wish I could tell you what it's going to look like. I don't know. Sounds good, though. Sounds good and I hope for it. And I hope you hope for it every single day. But if you're in a position today where it's like, I don't know, it's okay. You got another day tomorrow. And Jesus will still be there. What do you think, Peyton? Is that an amen? Okay, amen.